0: It's time to rock and roll here on a Sunday night. Welcome to Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. You have Tim Unclesby, and Matteo with you here in Las Vegas. Across the country, my partner as always, Tom Barton, sports.com's own Tommy Barton. And we're going to do our usual two-hour spiel tonight, taking you around the world of sports. Obviously, NBA Finals, Game 5 tomorrow, we have a Stanley Cup Final matchup, we'll talk about that, we'll talk Major League Baseball, whatever else we can throw into this two-hour edition, I do have to give the quick programming updates, so generally, we are on Father's Day weekend, this year we are not, so Tommy, as I bring you on in, not only do you get to do your usual Father's Day shenanigans by barbecuing for the whole family, this time you don't have to go on the air afterwards though.
1: Yeah, that's that's actually uh, kind of cool. Which means, in my world, I could have a couple of beers. <laughs> that's, what, that, that's what that means, you know. I uh, it's pretty funny, Tim. We're going on what 11, 12 years now together, and so many Saturday and Sunday nights, you know, people go, "Oh, you're gonna have a couple of beers." Like, no, not for me because I got to go on the air. I, I don't do it. So yeah, I'll, I'll have a couple of cold ones while I'm barbecuing up here. That's for sure.
0: <laughs> now you do have. Well, I guess I guess it depends on what what situation or game we're talking about, because I'm not saying you do it, Tommy, but it's uh, one o'clock in the morning in New York. So depending on what time that West, if it's a West Coast situation, you still have a little bit of time in there. You could maybe uh, chug a cold one, right?
1: Yeah, well, if you've ever met Tom and I know <laughs> you have and I, there, I'm not one of those guys that has a beer you know, or two. Um, I don't drink often, but when I do, listen, you know, I'll be sitting there and just having a conversation during the course of a game. I'll sit around and turn around. How many beers do you have? This is like 14, 15. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I know Ron used to, uh, used to kind of be stunned and he'd say, Tom, did, did, did you drink the case tonight? Yeah, I did. How do you hold it That I don't know. It just kind of happens. Uh, and, and it's not that I drink all the time. Um, but when I do, they, they tend to go down like water.
0: And do you wake up in the morning like nothing ever happened?
1: Yeah, I don't get nervous. No, I get tired. Uh, but I don't. I don't get the the headaches and the things like that. But you know, Tim, the key is no shots. Yeah, you, know, you start including shots into stuff, everything gets uh, tipsy turvy. You keep it to beer, you're perfectly fine.
0: Uh, Tom, we also want to bring up the, your absence yesterday was for good reason, though, as your little league baseball team has advanced into the next round of the playoffs and. You know, what a, you're a coach. You're the coach. What a coach does, he, he yells and screams. Unfortunately, puts you on the one-day IR list.
1: Yeah, I was uh, I was scratchy voice. You could kind of hear it a little bit today, so I apologize. Uh, but I was scratchy voice after that game. Um, we had a Little League game. It's an eight-, nine-year-old game. And, uh, you know, we were not supposed to win against this team. We played six innings, Tim. We were down 7-3 going into the fourth. Then we were down three runs going into the bottom of the sixth, tied the game. We were down three runs going into the bottom seven, tied the game. We were down five runs in the bottom of the eighth, tied the game. Down one run in the bottom of the ninth, and won the game. So it was it was just miraculous. Um, You know, I don't yell uh, in a bad way. I get hyped up. I scream for the kids. I'm pure energy out there, and. Yeah, we have an hour and forty-five minute stop time. We were we were sitting on about three hours, <laughs> and you keep that energy up for three three and a half hours. I, I was a little scratchy, so I do apologize.
0: So what's next? Tomorrow is it tomorrow night or Tuesday night? Wednesday
1: night. Wednesday night. Uh, we take on uh, the next team. That again, we are we lost to them in a doubleheader by one run each time. So even though they're the higher seed, we are not supposed to win. We could take them out. So I'm I'm pumped up, and these kids finally have the confidence. I said before the game, I said, we could beat this team. This is the best team in the league. We could beat them. And, and I don't know if they believed in themselves, but I'll tell you what, by the third, fourth inning, Tim, they certainly did.
0: Now, if you win Wednesday, does that set up a Saturday championship Saturday game? Saturday championship, yes.
1: Okay. Well, right. We we, um, we take on the championship where, it, look, you know how little league is, right? There, there's yeah. There's teams that are just stacked. So, uh, my son is our only lefty on our team, okay? There are two teams without a lefty. There are two other teams where there's one lefty. This team that, that you know, is going to play for the championship has five lefties batting three, four, five, six, and then like nine in their lineup. They, at every, I don't have one travel kid on my team. Every single one of their players, except for two, are on the travel team. We played them tight. We played them real tight the last time. Um, so, but I don't want to overlook that. Like, we'll, we'll get into Wednesday. Hopefully, we can win on Wednesday. We're, we're decidedly underdogs for these first three games.
0: Well, good luck, Tommy. We'll s- hopefully, we'll be able to talk uh, talk about your championship here in a couple weeks.
1: Uh, I would love to. I would absolutely love. It. I want to give it for the kids, man. They work so hard.
0: Well, I guess I guess we'll start with Game Five uh, tomorrow night. This is back in the Bay. Frisco area, Golden State, and the Celtics. This series is tied at two games apiece. Kind of, I'm not going to say we exactly called it this way, but we did say that if Game 1 went this way, Game 2 should go this way, and vice versa, Game 3, Game 4. So we look at tomorrow night's matchup, 6 o'clock tip-off on the West Coast. Over on ABC, the Golden State Warriors, three-and-a-half-point favorites, Tom. Kind of seems like that's been the line for every game in this series. Well, except for Game 1.
1: Yeah, it's been, you know, this one actually ticked down a little bit, Tim. It's been about four, four and a half. This one's a little bit lower, like you said. <clears throat> and I'm a little surprised that it's lower because, you know, it's going back to Golden State. And they sort of reestablished themselves here. I actually think that this line might go up to to get to four because people are going to be on Boston. Or is it that the Golden State aura is kind of back? The one thing I will bring up, and I've said it many times you know, on, uh, before, and I've said it on all my podcasts and everything else, but in case we have new listeners, I want to bring up the stat. Tim, the spread doesn't matter. Uh, at least it hasn't mattered since 2011. In a finals game since 2011, if the spread is six points or less, it's 65-0 and 0 that the spread has not mattered, meaning if the underdog wins, they're money-lying And if the favorite wins, they are having no problem covering Tim that's 65 and 0. Some trends are trends that that you know sports guys just throw out there. Some trends are just you know stats to to fill some time and to give you a little something to think about. 65 and 0 starts to get into a trend that you start to pay attention to, right?
0: 65 and 0 so basically it's a coin flip on whoever you think like you said, if you think they're going to win, it doesn't matter on this what the spread is you bet the team by the money line on who's going to win. And in this series, Tom, it's, it's been a, a crisscross, right? One team wins one game. The next team comes back and fires back, and that's what we've seen. Boston wins one and three. Golden State has won two and four. Now entering game five, look at the Celtics. Uh, I saw some, some interviews. I st- Tom, still haven't watched a minute of it, but I watched some interviews, and I think the, the onus was that Boston is confident in this, that they can win. They can win on the road. Obviously, they're 8-3 and three in the postseason on the road, which is, uh, look, they're 6-5 and five on their home floor. So, obviously, they played well on the road. It's, it's no um, surprise there that the record is that. And when you look at, really, where, where you see this Boston team as, after a loss, it's an automatic win. So, wh- where are we looking at this game tomorrow? I don't see Boston shaken up by blowing that lead in Game 4.
1: Yeah, I don't either. You know, it's very shocking to me the way that this series has gone, not because it's 2-2, which we all expected. I said it was going to be a seven-game series. Just the way that it has gone, and that is the Golden State Warriors have played exceptional, unbelievable, top-notch defense, or they've just been blown out in the fourth quarter, right? I mean, that, that is the, the series. The reason why the Celtics have two wins isn't because they play great, complete games. It's because they played absolutely unreal fourth quarter, scoring 40 points and holding them to, what, 16 and 11. But it's the Warriors' defense no one's talking about. The Warriors' defense was the number two defense, according to most metrics, coming into the season. I'm sorry, uh, coming into the playoffs during the regular season. But, Tim, depending on what metric you're looking at, they were either sixth or ninth in the playoff races of the playoff teams going into the finals. Their defense had kind of abandoned them. And what have we seen? Twice in this series, their defense completely abandoned them in the fourth quarter. But twice in this series, the defense absolutely owned them for a full game.
0: Defense, the key, right? You just said it. When Golden State clamps down on Boston, as we've seen, and they turn the ball over, look. I, I know this is in rocket science, and most, especially in basketball, right, Tom? When you commit turnovers. And you have more turnovers than the other team. You usually lose these games. Well, 0-6 Boston when they can more 16 or more turnovers. And that includes the two losses in 2-4. What about at this point, Tom? And it's been, um, for for Boston, I'd say it's been a longer postseason, right? They've had two seven-game setups with, with the Bucks and the Heat. Maybe battle-tested. And now they're at the point where it's a best-of-three, Tommy. So... I, I don't think tired would be a word anymore. Now it's just, let's finish the job.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, they are the younger team, right? I mean, I, I heard, heard some of the talking heads talking about the Warriors and they look old and they look uh, slow. I don't see any of that. But I will say that Draymond Green doesn't look his explosive self. Clay Thompson doesn't look his explosive self. Both of those guys dealt with injuries this year. Steph Curry looks amazing, but he dealt with an injury this year. Jordan Poole never played this many minutes at a pro level. If you wanted to tell me that Golden State was getting tired, I I could buy into that. I haven't really seen it, but I could buy into the narrative. You said it. Look, Golden, the the Boston Celtics have played a lot of minutes, but I don't see it on the court, Tim. Hmm. Maybe it's because they're very young. Maybe it's because they're they're very athletic. Maybe it's because they play defense. Which, you know, usually doesn't take as much out of you as running the court like like Showtime used to be, right? But, Tim, it doesn't seem to me like like they are the tired team, and I keep hearing the tired narrative. Why? Because they had a bad offensive game? I, I'm not buying that, Tim.
0: To, you said it, too. Younger team, but it's not that they're not shy on experience. Maybe not to the level of the, the Greens, Currys, Thompson situation, but... Or dollar right? They have a lot of veteran minutes on that postseason, veteran minutes on that roster. But Boston, we've talked about it. Bubble year, uh, Miami took them out. Bucks year after, and now they're here again. So, so maybe it's, a, it's just the, that progression that the Tatum's and the Browns they've been there, they've done that, and now Tommy they they know in these situations what may, what what could be different or maybe that pressure is a little bit different or they just have a better idea what to expect at this point in time. And, and that's the thing going into this series. There was never a doubt that – and you see now that they aren't intimidated at all by the Warriors.
1: No, not at all. And, and I didn't think they would be because of their defense. And, and, you know, it's funny to say that, but I'll say that about every single sport. If you have pitching in baseball, if you have the defense in football – You're not intimidated by another team. It's the same thing with basketball. You're just not intimidated because your defense is usually um, the more aggressive. Your defense is usually the more physical. To be a good defensive mindset, you're not dealing on patterns and and finesse. You're dealing on brute strength, and that is not an intimidating factor. So I didn't think they'd be intimidated, and and I do think that the Warriors were caught a little bit by surprise by them not being intimidated. Wait a minute. We're we're the Splash Brothers. We have the – You know, the championships and the rafters, we're at home. And Boston said, we don't care. We got the best defense. And I think that they really, really have leaned on that.
0: And to switch to the other side of it and talk about the Warriors here, and just to jump on the narrative, Tom, that everybody wanted to say about Steph Curry, which was complete crap that you and I picked apart two weeks ago. Uh, Not bad for a guy who doesn't show up, right, Tom? 43 points in game four. 10 rebounds, just the fifth guard ever in NBA history, do that in a finals game. So it's not, it's not going to be that, that Steph Curry's going to disappear here, Tommy. He looks dialed in as well.
1: Yeah, Steph Curry is unbelievable. I will tell you, he came in, uh, he averaged 26 points per game during the regular season. A little over 26 points per game during the, the postseason. His line for game one was 27 over-under points. 27.5 for game two. Game three... 27 and a half. Game four, they boosted up to, uh, to 29 and a half. Game five, is 31 and a half. They just keep raising it because he just keeps outperforming.
0: And that's hit every every game?
1: Every game. Yeah.
0: That's almost as good as that under in the uh, Eastern Conference finals of, of the Stanley Cup playoffs.
1: <laughs> yeah. How much did I make on that, right? Right, right.
0: Okay, so game five, obviously the uh, – what do they call The pivotal game, right, Tom? The pivotal game here.
1: So really, can I, I just want to stop you. Yeah. We always say, you know, game fives are so great um, and so important. And they always are. This, for me, mindset-wise, is massive for the Warriors. But I'll tell you what. I think that Boston can lose this game and still win the series. I know it's crazy to think, uh, but this is a pivotal game. If Boston wins, the series is over. If Golden State wins. I think they could still lose.
0: That's actually what I was just going to ask you. I said, "Is this or what I was going to ask you is that if Golden State wins Game Five, I think they close it out in Game Six. But if Boston wins Game Five, I, I don't necessarily think Golden State's out of this, even though they're going back to Boston for an elimination game. So, uh, why why do you think is it because they've already done this? They've already won in uh, San Francisco that a win in game five. They just have all that momentum going back home that they can do it on their home floor.
1: Yeah. Look, if, if Boston wins in game five, you go going home for game six, golden state's going to be reeling. And even if golden state wins game six, the pressure is completely on golden state in game seven. So, you know, that's why I'm saying, I think if it gets to a game seven, everyone's looking at golden state. Hey, they're at home. That's great. But in game seven, Tim, take away the names off of the jerseys right now. In Game 7, what you're getting with the Celtics, whether they win or they lose, just goes to Game 7. What you're getting with the Celtics is the better defensive team. In a Game 7, I like defense. In Game 7, what you're also getting is a team that has nothing to lose, which is always in their favor. In Game 7, you're also getting a team that has owned the fourth quarter. Right, We know that they own the fourth quarter. So they could be losing by 10 going into the fourth quarter. They're not going to lose uh, that that enthusiasm, which often happens in a game seven on the road. I, I just think so much sets up nicely for Boston in a game seven. It sets up, look, obviously Golden State's at home. They should be favored. But when you start talking about a possible game seven, Tim, what I see is that everyone's going to count out the Celtics. And I'm going, yeah, I kind of see a lot of advantages for a game seven
0: you really think that if it goes to a game seven, I mean, you're conceivably saying, well, I guess I would depend on tomorrow night's game. But possibly the Celtics would have to win three games at Golden State, including the championship uh, series finale. You think that you think that they can do that? I think that right
1: now. I believe that this team could do kind of whatever they want because I've watched what they've done in the fourth quarter. I never believed Steph Curry, Steve Kerr, Draymond Green's type of team would, would ever lose in the fourth quarter the way they have. And not lose. Be absolutely humiliated in the fourth quarter in two of these games. So, yeah, I think it can happen.
0: When you get into these situations late in the series, maybe late in the game five, an elimination game in game six or seven, And I know we've talked about this in the past, Tommy, about what the coaches don't mean necessarily is that, again, especially with these two guys, you have a brand-new head coach in Boston. And then you have the veteran, though, in Steve Kerr over on the sideline. Does he bring any intangible to this series that that can mean anything?
1: You know know how I feel about Steve Kerr. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I think that Steve Kerr, certainly in this situation with the experience has to be given the nod. I think that Steve Kerr certainly has the track record. He'll have, you know, the media attention on him, of course, and and a rookie head coach on the other side. I'm never going to tell you that they don't have the advantage there. But I think that Steve Kerr is one of the most overrated coaches in the history of the NBA. I think that Steve Kerr was handed a revolutionized team that was made by the front office. I think that Steve Kerr was gifted a perfect spot. I think that the Golden State Warriors have almost as many championships without Steve Kerr than with Steve Kerr. So I don't put a lot of credence on Steve Kerr, Tim. I know we were we were wanted to talk about great coaches um hmm. uh, you know, and I wouldn't I wouldn't put him up against the greatest coaches in any way shape or form. Now his resume says different. So he could tell me to go shove it, right? Uh, but what I have watched is just overwhelming talent overwhelming talent over and over, year after year. Steve Kerr, to me, doesn't move the needle. Now, again, do I take him over a rookie head coach?
0: Of course I do.
1: But when you turn around and you look at this, I'm not putting that much credence into Steve Kerr.
0: He's the Nick Saban of basketball. Is that what you're saying?
1: No, he's, he's not He's not as good. No, okay, he, 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 he's not a, as good at all. Um, you know, how about this? He's the Coach K of USA Olympics, right? I mean, you give him the 95 Dream Team, Tim, and they go out there and win the Olympics, and you go, what a great coach that guy is. You know? I mean, you know, come on.
0: Most people don't even remember who the coach was. That's just kind of just tells you what it is, right?
1: Right, exactly. And that's what I think about Steve Carr. You give me Durant and Curry during their prime, I mean, and that's what he's been handed. And I'll tell you what, if they win here, he's going to cement his legacy even more. But if they lose, Tim... Yeah. You were just out-coached by a rookie, right?
0: Right. Okay. Game five, Golden State three and a half. Tom, your official thoughts on tomorrow night's game. Who's winning it? I
1: think the Warriors hold court here. I think it's back home. It's in Golden State. Um, We know they own third quarters, and it takes that fourth quarter kind of push. Just the way that Steph Curry is in his zone right now, the way that Steph Curry is just absolutely elevating right now, and the way that Steph Curry is just the guy right now, I can't bet against him at home to crumble again in the fourth. And if you like the the Boston Celtics, you're betting on the Warriors to crumble again in the fourth. Look, it's happened twice. It certainly can happen, but I'm not taking my hard-earned money and going against that.
0: I'm with you. Even though I'm not going to watch it, Tom, I think Golden State wins game five at home. (laughs) To set up a game six in Boston, which, uh, look, that's going to be absolutely nuts, too. So this, this should be should be a good good t- uh, game tomorrow night to s- kind of shift the momentum one way or the other. Uh, before Tim, we- you know, I, I
1: want to point something out about the total here. Yeah. We have watched these games really be dictated, like I said, about the Warriors. But the books have massively adjusted. Game one, it was 214 and a half. And the game went over. Why? Because the Celtics went crazy in the fourth quarter, right? They scored 40 whatever points. Game two, 214 and a half again. Game goes under. Game three, 214 and a half again, Tim. Game goes over. Game four, 214 flat. Game goes under. The game opened up at 213 and a half for game five. It's been bet down to 211, Tim, and I'm seeing some 210 and a halves go out there. People are pounding the under. And I have made some money here in this series betting on the under. I like the under. I bet the under three or four games. I didn't bet it in game one. I wanted to see how the series was going to go. I won three of the four games here um, uh, betting of the under. I like the under here, Tim. I do, but I almost can't bet it because we've had almost a five-point swing. Yeah. 214,
0: 214, 214, now 210, right? Yes. I to touch on one more NBA note before we took the time out. So we've, we've seen uh, rumors throughout the years and then kind of picked up steam again early this year. And then just a few weeks back, Commissioner Adam Silver, came, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver came out and said that there weren't any plans for expansion beyond the 30 teams that are in the league right now. And the rumor mill had uh, Seattle and Las Vegas as the two teams that were, I would say, at the top of the list, right? So... Now, your buddy, the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers, LeBron James, has come out and said that he wants to be an owner when his time is done in the NBA. And he wouldn't mind that team to be located in the city of Las Vegas, Tommy. just uh, Quick thoughts on on him. Is he just uh, trying to keep himself relevant because he's not playing in the finals right now?
1: Yeah, look, LeBron, we we know what LeBron is. LeBron wants to inject himself into everything. He gave up playing basketball a couple of years ago for Sirius, and he wants to make movies. He has the barbershop TV. He's doing everything in Hollywood. So he goes, you know what? They're not going to sell me the Lakers. Um, I don't want a secondary team in California. Yeah, sure. Give me a team in Las Vegas. It's close enough to my movie studio in case my movie career doesn't take off because this guy can't act out his way out of a paper bag. We've all seen his flops, right? We know that they're fake just as bad as his movies and TV shows. So he wants to inject himself. He wants to inject himself in everything in the world and speak on it and be an expert on it and look like a moron doing it. Every time he talks about politics, he's exposed as the idiot that he is. Every time that he kind of talks about anything outside of basketball, he's exposed as as being, hey, you know what? You're kind of a fraud at everything else. So he goes, okay, you know what? Maybe I want to own a team. We've seen how Michael Jordan owned the team, right? I mean, it didn't work out great for him. We've seen, look, Larry Bird, how did he – Become a general manager. How, how well did that work out for him? Stars, it's very difficult for stars in any sports, but specifically basketball, to go to the front office uh, and manage, coach, uh, own general manager. It's a hard transition. Not everybody's able to make it. I think LeBron has the money to do it. Sure. Of course he does. I think LeBron wants to do it. I think he wants to be like magic. I think secretly he looks at magic and he goes, I wish that was me universally liked and everything else that magic was. Um, but I think right now, I don't think there's any real plans, to him. I think, like you said, I think he kind of wants to just be in the news.
0: When I was younger, my early, I'd say, between like 12 up into my teens, you know, when, whenever I heard of expansion, Tom, I loved it. You know, I thought that was a great thing that, all oh, we're going to get new teams and new logos and you'll get to see, you know, new jersey colors and markets that maybe necessarily didn't have – uh, a sport that you liked. NHL was a perfect example for a long time. And now as I've gotten older, when I see expansion, I'm just kind of like, eh, I don't know anymore, man. It's Like in the NBA, you have 30 teams. So do I think Las Vegas necessarily needs a team here? Probably not, right? Does the league miss Las Vegas having a team here? No, it doesn't. Seattle, I mean, look, the the heritage there, I understand it. And they were wrongfully, you know, who was his name? Bennett. I think his name was Benny. He drove him out of the city, and you know, and, and went to Oklahoma's, Oklahoma. So, did they get screwed? I think they did. Has the league missed them? I don't think so. So, when I see the talk of it, everybody gets all excited about it. I don't know. I, I just it's lost its luster, especially in the NBA. I think Tom, when you look at expansion teams in the NBA, really are any of them that good?
1: No, not at all. And I'll tell you what. It's so funny that you mentioned that. I don't know if you listened to uh, the Sports Card Network show this morning, and and I had Clayton Schroeder on who just wrote a book on Loserville. It's the Atlanta Braves and how Atlanta did the expansion in the 70s with all of the sports teams (laughs) and how basically they made a blueprint of why expansion teams are so hard. And Atlanta was terrible for a while. San Diego's bad. Tampa Bay's bad. Phoenix is bad. And they all made the same mistakes. And we were kind of going back and forth, and I said – You know, it took them 40 years to basically gift wrap a championship to Las Vegas. And, you know, the NHL did everything they possibly could to just literally hand Las Vegas uh, this this gift wrap championship team, which they actually never wound up capitalizing on. And I don't know if we're going to see that ever again. I think that it was one time. It was a gift from the league to hand it to Vegas to get things going. Look at Seattle. They're going to be there. I don't think that expansion teams will ever do well right out of the gate ever again. I think it, I think the backlash of what the NHL did for Las Vegas was worse than what they just did. If they let it grow naturally, sure, there wouldn't have been the hype and the arena and all that, and maybe they would have lost a couple of early bucks, but the backlash has been tremendously terrible for the NHL, handing Las Vegas a... a A known winner and easy, easy, easy bending the rules for them and all that. I don't think another team or another league is going to be stupid enough to do what the NHL did and try to force a winner into a new city. I don't think that they're going to do that. So, If LeBron does get an expansion team in Las Vegas, I think it's going to be some hard times there, just like just about every expansion team.
0: It's funny you bring that up. The argument's so funny, especially during the hockey season when it's uh, non VGK fans that, that get brought into the conversation. So all the teams have, all the teams' fans have a theory on Vegas and how they were built. And then all the Vegas fans were like, well, that's not true. This is, you know, we, we did this, we did that. It wasn't as gifted as you thought it was. But at the end of the day, when you're. It was amazed, worse than
1: you ever imagined. It, yeah. It's worse than, than it's even known.
0: How do you get a Stanley Cup Vezina trophy winner in an expansion draft? It doesn't work that way, man. Look at Seattle this year. Their 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 big goalie pickup was uh, Gruber out of uh, Colorado, right? So solid goaltender, but nowhere near the level Mark Andre Fleury at the time. And people want to say, well, we didn't. They didn't know what Fleury was. Come on, he wasn't bad leaving Pittsburgh, right, Tom? It's, it's just admit it. There's nothing wrong with it. That's the way it was set up. Why are you have to defend it? It's it is what it is, and you failed. You failed at doing it. They they gave you an opportunity to win it, and you failed at it.
1: I mean yeah anybody that understands and this is this is not an anti-vegas i don't know how it becomes an anti-vegas thing it's just fact you know what i mean it it is just fact that this is the way that it is the nhl attempted to give vegas a quick winner um to fill everyone's pockets i mean that's what they did they bent every rule to just hand them a winner and here you go here's what we're going to do um and vegas couldn't capitalize on it the the backlash around the country, and I don't know if the Vegas fans may not know this, but the backlash around the country is that it's a farce. It's a joke. It's, it's ridiculous that it was done that way. Um, you know, I, I don't i don't think anybody's going to make that mistake. We've seen, we've watched every other sport try expansion teams over the years. You go back to the 70s where I just talked about it from Atlanta. We watched every sport try expansion teams. Nobody has done anything near what what the gift that Las Vegas has gotten and nobody's really succeeded right out of the gate because of it.
0: I think for basketball purposes, Tom, I think, I think they they could be good quickly because I think those, the NBA players want to be here though. They're, you know, not, it's not, Hey, there's an expansion team in Salt Lake city where nobody wants to be. It's it's in Vegas. I think that would be able for them to draw a a better a group of players that want to be there free agent wise.
1: Yeah, look, I think Las Vegas is a draw, you know, but it needs a certain type of thing. And I was talking about the the Oakland A's this morning when I was talking to to Clayton about this. And I said, you know, I think the Oakland A's coming to Las Vegas will be a mistake because they're a bad franchise right now. Mm -hmm. And it's a compliment to what Las Vegas is. The reason why Tampa Bay doesn't have full stadiums is not because their team is bad. It's because there's a lot of other cool stuff to do in Tampa, right? I mean, there's the beach, there's the sun. The reason why San Diego doesn't draw the way that it should and hasn't had all that crazy success? Why? Well, there's a lot to do in San Diego. There's a lot in Las Vegas. If you hand them a loser, there's a lot to do. Early on, first two three years, Oakland, yeah, hey, you know what? They'll be fun. People come out to see them. But you give them a 70-year win team for five six seven years, Tim, they're not going to come out that way because there's much
0: to do in Las Vegas. Right. I agree. I agree completely. And that's the influx of money. Where is that influx of money? That ownership group doesn't spend money. So are they all of a sudden going to flip a switch, Tom, and and go from a bottom barrel uh, salary MLB franchise team to a mid-tier or upper-tier? It's probably not going to happen. Those guys, just that's not the way they're built. They're built to to make profit off of uh, least amount of money spent. So I don't think that changes either.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. You look at the Oakland A's and it's just, there are certain franchises that you go, yeah, that would work in Vegas. And I just don't think that the A's are that. Look, the A's would need a new stadium in Vegas, a new owner, and a new outlook and a new concept. Even the New York Mets. The New York Mets have been one of the top producing teams. They're in a giant market. They have a great television contract. They have a brand new stadium. They get the richest owner in Steve Cohen, who says, I'm going to go spend a lot of money. And even he doesn't spend the money that people think in order for the A's to be consistent winners. And I'm talking about consistent winners. Everything has to change there. Everything. Owner, general manager, front office, scouting department. They haven't had a good uh, minor league system in years. Everything has to change. Now, can it change in about 10 years? Yeah. Yeah. You need about ten years to get that done, from drafting to scouting departments and everything else. We watched it with the Houston Astros, Tim. Me and you said it was a it was a six year plan. They wound up well. It was a they said it was an eight year plan. It wound up being a six year plan, Tim. We talked about it on the air, right? They said it was going to be you know that long of a plan in order to get good consistently, like the Astros did for a while. You've got to draft well for years. You have to have scouting to develop well for years. You then have to write the, make, make the right general manager. It, it is a process. Baseball is not like football or basketball. Basketball, you buy one guy, you're back in the playoffs. It's very, very, very different. So if Vegas did get the Oakland A's in the next year or two, I think you're looking at, I think it's conservatively, I can say, out the next 10 years after they move to Vegas, six to seven of those years is going to be losing seasons, Tim. Yep. Are the Vegas fan base, is the Vegas fan base going to be able to handle that kind of losing?
0: Tommy Barton, Tim Unglesby, Heat Wave Sports. As we step aside for our first time out, when we come back, we'll shift over to the National Hockey League. We have a Stanley Cup final matchup. We'll break it down for you. HeatWave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. Moving from the NBA over to the NHL, Stanley Cup playoffs are set Wednesday night, will be game number one in Colorado, as the Avalanche will host the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Lightning now in the Cup Final, Tommy, their third straight year, they are back-to-back champions, and they got there via a 2-1 game six win at home over the New York Rangers. In a tightly contested game, the Rangers were able to tie this game up 13.07 into the third before that guy, the veteran Steven Stamkos. Tommy just 21 seconds later put in his ninth goal of the playoffs for the deciding goal in the 2-1 victory. Vasilevsky, 20 saves in the win, and here we go Wednesday night. Tampa... And Colorado, just your quick thoughts first on, on the, the Eastern Conference final game that we watched. Just um, Look, Tam- this, as I said it best to you, I thought that the Rangers story was great, that nobody expected them to get this far this year. And then you had the Tampa story, which was they were old and broken down, right, Tom? And this was the swan song, yet Tampa found a way again with those same overpriced veterans now that we're talking about, the Stamkoses, the Kucherovs. You know, the Victor Hedmans, and they rode the back of who was going to be the better goalie in this series. And I take nothing away from Mr. Igor. Vasilevsky just ended up being better at the end.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, you look at how the series went. Um, I don't know if we could be surprised, right? Low scoring games, Rangers didn't get enough offense to, to win the series. I mean, that, that that's it. Vasilevsky mm-hmm. against Igor, you said it. You could make an argument that Igor kind of had a better series, and then all of a sudden, well, you could could have made that argument. And then all of a sudden, boom, it was one, one, one. Right, the last three games put up ones, and that's it. Um, the Rangers had a great season. The Rangers were always a team that their one question mark was: can they get enough offense? They had the number two defense overall in the NHL this year. They had an MVP candidate in goal who's going to win goaltender of the year. Right, we know that. Could they get enough offense? They needed somebody to stand up, somebody to be that guy. You know, they had a couple of guys have good series. They had a couple of guys that did stand up and look good. It just wasn't enough at the end. To knock off Tampa, you were going to have to do something just mind-boggling incredible if you were the Rangers. They did it in game one. You know, they just were not able to do it. I'll tell you what. This is not sour grapes, Tim, But I read a, a statistic. There was six... 50-50 50-50 calls in that series. You know, you have 50-50 calls where it's really up in the air. You're not sure. There was six 50-50 calls in that series, Tim. Every one of them went against the Rangers. But I look at that, and I'm not saying, hey, you know what? The Rangers are a better team. I look at that, and I go, that's what you're going to need. You're going to need those calls to go your way if you're going to beat Tampa. Right? Mm-hmm. You're going to need that to go your way if you're going to beat a team that's three-time champion. You're go- Or going for a three-time champion. You're going to need those calls to go your way. And they just didn't have them. This is one of those cases where I'm proud of the Rangers. I think, like I said to you uh, before the year, I think that they are a budding dynasty. I think they're going to be here every year for the next four or five years. They're doing things the right way. Uh, They were just not good enough to knock off a champion. And that's who Tampa Bay was. Tampa Bay showed a championship heart.
0: Championship heart in a playoffs for them that – Look, they weren't the number one seed. We all know that, right? I, I want to say they're a five seed and a six seed, somewhere around that. And I know, you know, the seeding was very loosely based on records and that there were just a matter of wins separated these teams. In fact, look, the Rangers ended up with one more win than Tampa had, just two less, two less ties. So it wasn't that this was a David Goliath series, but I think what we saw at the end was, again, we talked about a game five earlier in the hour with – Golden State and Boston. Well, that's what happened in game five on the road, whereas the Rangers, they just – I don't know what it was, Tom. They just – they weren't there, and then it was before they knew it, Tampa had the lead, and that was it. You cannot, right, That's that's been the thing. You cannot give a, a goaltender like Vasilevsky a lead and expect to be able to catch up or, or surpass that because take game one out of the equation, which was – obviously a six, two game that they, they lit him up. He was money after that. And, and that includes a loss in game two. So it is what it is. And you said it, he put the, he put the pretzel sticks up the last three games and that, that was it. That was the difference. I won't even get into the coaching situation. Cause I think Galan did a wonderful job with what he had there, but come on, Tom, we're, we're going to talk about John Cooper and it's not even a debate right now.
1: Look, we we're going to get into Cooper. Um, but I want to ask you a question about, you know, you mentioned Vasilevsky. Hmm. There's, there's the idea, and, and I'm trying to frame this the right way. There's the idea that Vasilevsky cemented himself as the best goalie in the league. And I still don't believe that necessarily. In my mind, I go, look, Igor had the best year. Igor did nothing in this series to prove me, to, to me that he wasn't the best year. But Vasilevsky the best playoff performer. And Vasilevsky's probably been the best goalie for the last five years in a row. But this year, I don't think that we could take anything away from Igor this year. If you're asking me who's the best goalie right now, the best goalie in hockey, I mean, Vasilevsky kind of just proved it to a lot of people. But I don't think it's as clear-cut as well that you know, Vasilevsky proved he's so much better. Uh, look, he, he, he proved it in the playoffs. And I think more of this was a, a indication of what the Rangers couldn't do as much as it was with that. Look, it's two great goalies. We're, we're splitting hairs here, but I don't think we could take away from an MVP-like campaign by Igor just because he lost here.
0: I agree. I agree. He's had a hell of a season, and you know what impressed me about Igor was that in that matchup with Pittsburgh, when it looked like it was going to go south, round one, right, Tom? He adjusted, got an opportunity to win a key game, and then he kind of just wrote that into the, the, the next round and then into this series and I think that, that shows you right there true championship mentality and, men, and championship goalie material in Igor. think thing about Vasilevsky is, look, he's a two-time champion, right? So there's no doubt about that as much as, and this is what kills me the so-called experts, and I'm t- not even talking about the hockey experts I'm talking about all the, the uh, Einsteins over on Twitter, that he had a terrible year. The guy won 40 games this year Right. His goal, his goals against was slightly ticked up. It was still under two and a half, but he had a bad year. I mean, I don't even understand that talk. And, yeah, he got riddled up a little bit in in the first round. But, again, he adjusted as well, Tom. And tit for tat in, in the last three games of this series, he was the better goalie, and that's what happened.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and, and I'm okay with that. Now, let's get into the John Cooper stuff because it's pretty mm-hmm. funny. Me and you talked, and, and – we kind of plan out the show a little bit, and we talked about this last week, just text messaging back and forth. And I said to you, you know, is John Cooper the most underrated coach in sports right now? And You said, yeah, absolutely. We we talked about it, we discussed it, and uh, you know, you said, yeah, we well, got to talk about that on the show. And we got deeper and deeper into it. And I want to let the listeners kind of into the conversation that we're we're having. I believe, and I'll take the leap here, Tim, because I know I know. We've been back and forth, and you agree with me. I believe that John Cooper is not only easily the best coach in hockey, but I think you've got to throw him among the best coaches in sports right now. Hmm. So you started to think, it got me to think about the best coaches in the sport right now. Popovich has obviously been exposed. You know, he needs a a massive star. He needs a Duncan. He needs a, 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 a Kawhi to do what he's done. And now he's, he's gone so far off the deep end politically that he can't even coach basketball anymore. So he's all, he's out, he's out Steve Kerr. I just made my feelings known about Steve Kerr. Um, for me, he's out. Go to the other major sports, major league baseball. It's hard to find that guy in baseball. Um, Dave Roberts is still not won a championship, a legitimate championship. He's kind of been a buffoon at times in the playoffs. I don't, I don't put him up there at all. So there's nobody really in baseball. I heard people saying A.J. Hintz, no way. Not not Cooper level, no. And you go to football. You go, okay, well, there's obviously Belichick. Yes, Belichick, definitely. He is up there. Belichick is the guy. Um, Andy Reid has a – he's got something to say about it. Some people might put Sean McVay up there. I generally won't. So you got about three guys in football. Going to the college ranks, you have to throw Saban. I think Dabo Sweeney's got to be up there. College basketball, Coach K retired, Jay Wright retired, Tom Izzo still overrated. I mean, you know, go down the list. You might say Bill Self. I mean, maybe, maybe it's Bill Self. College basketball, Tim, I'm having a hard time. So I'll say this. For me, outside of the NFL, because the NFL is so important, head coaching is so important, outside the NFL, I would take John Cooper over just about anybody. I think the only run for his money would be Nick Saban. To me, Nick Saban is way more of a recruiter than a coach. So I may take Cooper over Saban, but it's close. In the NFL, I I may take John Cooper right now, right now, over McVay. I might take him over Andy Reid. So I start to whittle this list down, Tim, and I'm going – He's in my top five coaches right now. Is he the Saban, Belichick level? I don't know. Maybe he's not quite there. But I think I'm comfortable putting him in the top three. How far do you put John Cooper up for you?
0: He's definitely top five, right? And then you try to move it around at that point. So, yeah, I I don't think he's Belichick, Saban worthy. Um, So that puts him three or, or lower. I love Andy Reid. I think in getting that Super Bowl was huge for, for his. Uh, if we're talking about best coaches currently, right, you you want to attach a stigma, there has to be some type of a national title there, right, or a championship. So him getting that was huge. Bill Self, I think, put himself – we talked about this when he won when the NCAA tournament again, that he pushed himself past a certain level by winning that next one. I, I'd say – Three or four for me, uh, those are probably my five or six guys, though. I mean, baseball, I'm with you. I don't really put anybody in there right now. And um, on the horizon, I I don't know. You know, you talk about the NBA curve is an easy one because what you said, but I I think Spolstra is there, but not that level because obviously he doesn't have the the resume of championships, but I think he's somebody that I look at as underrated. But, again, I look at NBA coaches like you do. I don't really – See them being that big of a factor, but uh, you know the thing about Cooper is that uh, Chris said it best in our in our thread, the guy that nobody knows about, right? But the, you know he just finished his ninth year in Tampa. Tom. He has 434 wins. This is his fourth Stanley Cup appearance. He he lost one uh, back in 1415. He also played in two conference finals. So he's been in you know deep into the playoffs six times in nine seasons. It's pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, I, I mean that's. You can't overlook the, the resume. And here's the thing. We're having this conversation today. Tim, he's in the middle of it, right? I mean, that that's that's really the key here. He's in the middle of it. Belichick we talk about because of what Belichick has done. You can't take anything away from him. But it's been a couple of years for Belichick, right? He's not in the middle of this quote-unquote dynasty. Andy Reid. Andy Reed has a great career. Great overall career. He's not in the middle of this... Dynasty right now, if we could call that, Sean McVay might be. Sean McVay might be in the middle there. Sean McVay might might be the guy. I've never thought overly highly of Sean McVay. I look at that team with every single position being an all-pro overpaid, and I, I I use that as a knock against him. Saban, same kind of thing. Saban's in the middle of his dynasty, so Saban, maybe Bill Self, and, and you could remove Belichick and Andy Reid. Sabin Bill Self and, and John Cooper are in the middle of this. So we're looking at we're talking about John Cooper today. This is not if he goes out there and wins again this year. That'll be three in a row. Nobody's won three in a row, right? Since the Oilers. Uh, nobody's won uh, and the Islanders who won four in a row.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: By the way, remember, remember that. The Islanders don't, don't mean anything in, in NHL history. <laughs> but yeah. But we could continue to go there. So, right on. So I don't, Obviously, look, we got to get by this series first. But what I'm saying is that we're in the middle of this. We can't judge this until it's over. If Cooper wins his third this year, I think people are going to join our side of the argument. If Cooper goes out there and wins again next year, all of a sudden, you know, people are going to join the argument. So it's hard to evaluate right now in the middle. I have him in the top three. You have him in the top five right now, Tim. And his resume is certainly not complete.
0: Right. If he wins a third in a row... Arrow for me, definitely. He's—that's the thing—and you never hear about hot seat Tampa, right? This is a team that just uh, four years ago, Tom missed the playoffs, and they—they were—I uh, won't say they were bad, but they missed the playoffs, and they came right back and went back into the, the conference finals. So it's not—it's not like he's—he's chop he's, uh, security should never be an issue for this guy. I think he can write his own check whenever he wants at this point.
1: Yeah, I I mean, he is. And that's the thing. One of the things that you look at, and I did this with the Rangers, uh, you know, and I did this um, before the Rangers, uh, you know, series. And I said, oh, man, the Rangers are so young. It's unbelievable how young this Rangers team is. And then I went to the Lightning and I was like, wow, they're not as old as I I actually thought they were. Um, You look at the Tampa Bay Lightning, so they do have some some obvious grizzled veterans on that team. Okay. Uh is a, a grizzled veteran. We know that. Um, I mean, what are we looking at grizzled veteran? It, it, you know, it, it's 34. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that's a grizzled veteran. Uh, Corey Perry, the backup at 37. Yeah, that, that's that's a veteran. But, Tim, Ryan – uh, let's just look at, at some of these guys. Tim, Vasilevsky's 27. Yep. Just by the way that we've seen goalies go – I'm not talking about flurry here, but though, by the way that we've seen goalies go, Tim, it is not a stretch to say he's got five more really good years. Okay? He's got five more really good years. Ryan McDonough, big part of the team. He's the elder statesman, basically, that means something. He's 31. Victor Hedman's 31, uh, 32. Okay. What do they got? Two, three more years? Sure. Kucherov, main component, 28 years old. He's got four or five years. Easy. Of uh, elite play I'm talking about, right? Brady, Tommy. Point. Tommy, twenty-six. Let's,
0: let's hold that thought real quick. We just got we got to run the the top hour bumper. We'll come back with that thought and what Colorado has in store in the Stanley Cup Finals. Heatwave Sports Hour, one in the books. Back right after this. Now back to Heatwave Sports. Hour number two, Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton with you every Saturday and Sunday at 10 o'clock, except for next weekend with Father's Day coming up. So we'll be taking that quick weekend off back for the final weekend in the month of June. And before we went to that break, Tom, you were breaking down the Tampa Bay Lightning roster and saying that they're not as old as people think they are as far as age-wise, but there's a lot, lot of playoff experience and, and championship experience, though, in that locker room. Yeah,
1: I mean, my, my basic point was that, uh, you know, you have a good mix of veterans and youngsters, but this is not this grizzled veteran, you know, coming to an end of their reign kind of team. I mean, Braden Point, the guy that they're getting back here in the playoffs, who, by the way, I think is going to be a big jolt. And John Cooper said today he will play in the playoffs. Maybe not in game one, but he's going to play in the playoffs. Braden Point's 26. You know, Stamkos is 32. Can Point become Stamkos? That's what they hope, right? You know, you look at the big-time players on this team, the big-time contributors on the team. um, Most of them are 26, 27, 28 years old. You got a couple of the grizzled veterans. But this team isn't going away anytime soon, and you start to look at, at their big-time guy, the guy that we've been talking about all day, Andre Vasilevsky, he's only 27, Tim. I mean, that right there is scary in itself. We don't expect him to do what you know Flurry did and, and play until he's like 60 years old. We don't expect that. But I I would say you got the best goalie or one of the two best goalies in the league, playing at an elite level for what, the next four or five years?
0: It's, it's scary, right? And, and we've talked about the East. You said when we did our Stanley Cup playoff preview, you thought that six of the eight teams in the playoffs on the Eastern side really had a great opportunity to win the Stanley Cup.
1: Yeah, look, I, I like when you look at this, that to me, this is the best against the best, right? Every single year, No matter what the sport is, we sit back and we talk about, who do you want to see? And I I, I tell you all the time, I don't like the underdogs and the upsets. I want the best against the best. Now, Tampa Bay may not be the best team coming from the East before the playoffs began. I get it. Florida was. I I understand that. But if you're Colorado and you have to, since we've been talking about Tampa, let's shift it to Colorado. If you're Colorado and you've climbed the mountain so many times to try to get to the ultimate goal, and you've got to overtake that team, that team is now the Lightning. To me, this is an absolutely awesome, awesome Stanley Cup finals because in order for the Colorado Avalanche to get what they've been looking for for so long, they got to take down this Lightning team and kind of throw them off their throne. And the Lightning are here going, hey, you know what? We're we're, we're not one and done here. We're not two and done. We're going for the 3 P. You know, we're going for something historic. I love the way that this set up. I call it the best against the best before the playoffs. If you would ask any hockey fan, look, take your personal touches out of this and your personal favoritism. What series do you want to see? I think most of them would say Avs Tampa.
0: Which, by the way, Tom. You know, not to pat myself on the back. I, I did predict that, and I need to find that so you can cut it for me. and we can.
1: Yeah, you really promo, do need you know? to find that. <laughs> yeah, you got to find that. I, I'll cut that up and use that as a promo for sure. <laughs> but you don't know anything, Tim. And and, no. and remember, no. how long will we – you guys don't know anything about hockey. Come on, Tim. Yeah.
0: We, we, we never talk about it, so we don't know about it. Well, we've talked about it, and we've kind of figured out that – or you should have figured out that we do know what we're talking about. It was just at the time there wasn't a team here, Tom. So, and we did. We talked about the Stanley Cup Finals when it came around. But the hockey's, I think the resurgence in hockey is is amazing. It has nothing to do with Las Vegas, Tom. Right? It's just the way it is right now. You know what saved it? You and I know this story. During during the pandemic, that ridiculous thing called the pandemic, the NHL is really what saved me from. Just probably walking away from sports for for a minute there, Tommy. It really did.
1: Well, I I mean, look, the NHL was one of those leagues that they they kind of just said, okay, we're gonna we're gonna come up with this plan. We're gonna, you know, try to kind of fight through it. We're doing dealing with different countries, we're dealing with different teams, we're dealing with everything. And you're right, it kept you going. The NHL is back, and it's back because it has young stars. It's back because it's got fun teams. It's back because it it has good matchups. It's back because it's fun again. And for a while there, it kind of wasn't, you know? And the regular everyday hockey fan is going to sit back and argue with me all day. All day. They're going to go crazy. My ex roommate, about 12, 14 years ago, we were talking the other day. He's like, Remember when you said hockey was going in the toilet? And I said, yeah, it was 14, 15 years ago, sure. It's completely different now. You know, it's a completely different sport, it feels like right now. They've done a lot of things right, Tim. And this is the kind of – if you couldn't have a Canadian team there, uh, this is the kind of series that you want to boost hockey up.
0: Well, Tampa's opponent will be the Colorado Avalanche, the number one seed in the West. Tom, they went 12-2 and in this postseason. They swept Nashville in round one. series win over the Blues in round two, and then swept the Edmonton Oilers in the Western Conference Finals. In fact, when they face off Wednesday night in game number one, Tom, it will be eight days since they played a hockey game. A lot of rest there for the Avalanche.
1: A lot of rest for the Avalanche. And let's just be frank here. This is the first real goalie they're going up against. Right? The Nashville goalie might be out of a job next year. St. Louis had a nice little little run there with their goalie, but look, he's a backup. I mean, that's what he is. And Smith might get run out of Edmonton. So not only are they are facing their first real goalie, but they're facing, we just said it, the best goalie over the last what, five, four or five years in the sport. Uh, it's going to be a different kind of perspective for them. Now, look, we're sitting here on Sunday. they they got to wait all the way till Wednesday. I mean, it's more days and more days and more days of waiting and waiting and waiting. For a defensive team, you could kind of get by with that. You could kind of do that. This team is offense. And this is offense against defense. This is really what, it, what we kind of knew was going to be that way anyway, the way the Eastern and Western conferences are kind of how, are divided. But this was going to be this way. And it's offense against defense. The offense, though, this hurts them, though, delay, Tim. The delay and the waiting hurts this team. It hurts this team because they really rely upon precision and being completely in sync and flying right and doing all the things that you say with an offensive juggernaut. Can they jump right back in? Sure, they can. And that's how they're going to have to beat Tampa is they're going to have to beat them, with just pure, un- un- just bashed kind of ridiculous offense. But usually a layoff, you get a little out of sync. Usually a layoff will hurt the offensive team. They are at home, so that's good for them. Uh, but game one, Tim, if there's some rust there, don't be very surprised.
0: Colorado averaged four point six goals per game in the playoffs, and you know you talked about playing the best goalie in the in the playoffs now, right? They're playing their best. They're playing the guy. They have their own little goalie conundrum possibly here, as we saw Darcy Kemper, the goalie for for the regular season, excellent year coming over from from Arizona. He gets hurt in the last series, Tommy. Francus comes in and carries them through that series victory. Is, is there a debate here? If Kemper's ready to go for game one, do you go back to the starter or do you go to the guy that's, that was hot and, and carried you through the last round? I think
1: that they're going to go to the starter. I think I probably would stay with the hot hand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, I think that their excuse is going to be the time off well, you know, we were able to get his feet back under him and we were able to kind of get this done. And I think that that's going to be their excuse why they're going to start him. Um, and maybe they'll get away with it early on. But Tim, I go with, with the hot goalie. When you're talking about, year after year, we see it. When you're talking about the NHL playoffs, the hot goalie is the guy you just ride and you continue to ride that, that player. I don't like the idea of switching something when it's really sitting back there and staring you in the face what really should be done.
0: Nate McKinnon anchors the Colorado offense, great young player. And we've seen Tampa kind of pick through these rounds, right Tommy? We saw in round 1 with Toronto and and the superstars there. McKinnon, Rantanen, Landeskog. That's that's the key right there for for Tampa. I think what we've seen is can you contain them? That's going to be an issue because it's not Tampa's going to come at you like you said. They're a defensive team. They come at, and they work their offense off their defense, not like Edmonton, which is straight offense, right? So Colorado's going to see a little bit something different here in a team that's able to slow this game down. So you you said it best: offense versus defense. Colorado's got to score to win, and you're almost playing into Tampa's style of play at that point.
1: Yeah, this is going to be a, a very contrasting styles. And the Abs are going to say, "Hey, we could play defense," and they absolutely can. But they don't have Vasilevsky behind them, and that's the difference maker here. They can play defense, but they don't have Vasilevsky. As far as the you know the Tampa Bay team goes, are you going to be able to get enough scoring? I mean, that that is a legitimate question. Now you could say, "Look at what they just did against Igor. They were able to get enough scoring." Yeah, barely, <laughs> right? I mean, there were struggles there, barely. I know it's the number two defense, and I know it's Igor. But you're going to have to ask yourself. Who's going to be the guy to score for us? Stamkos is coming there. Is is it going to be Braden Point coming back? Is he going to give them the injection that's needed? Uh, This series is going to be decided not because one of the strengths doesn't work. The series is going to be decided, did Tampa Bay get enough offense and did the Avs get enough defense as opposed to what they're trying? I know that Vasilevsky is going to be good. I, I know that Tampa Bay's defense is going to be solid. I know the Avs offense is going to be good. It's the other side of things.
0: In your opinion, can, t- can Tampa win this series or, rephrase, will Tampa win this series by winning games 3-1, to 3-2, to two, Tom, or is, do they have to kick it up a notch?
1: Yeah, they can because they have that guy in goal. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's what it is. Because they have him in goal, they can pitch a shutout. It wouldn't shock me because he's, he's just so good, Tim. Do I expect it more than once? No. They can, I think they'll win one game this series where Vasilevskiy is just an amazing, amazing goal, meaning shutout or one goal. They'll win one game because of him and strictly him doing unreal things. The other games, I think that they're going to have to go out there and they're going to have to score three, four goals. I, I don't think you're winning more than one game you know, with, with Vasilevskiy holding them to one. I, I think that the avalanche just attack you so many different ways from so many different angles that the attacking nature is just too much to overcome. Because if can could have a great game, oh, but the puck is kicked back and, and you know, it's a bouncer. And, oh, this just – I think that there's fluky things that happen. If you're the Tampa Bay Lightning, you have to go into this series and say, if we put up four goals, I think we're going to win the game. And – Four goes a lot, Tim. Right, but that's what you got to have. You have to have that mindset. First to four is going to win today, and that's kind of the mindset that you go into. Now, if Vasilevsky behind you plays lights out. You're going to win that game with ease. You got to go out there and say first to four. And I say four, and then people are going to go, well, every hockey game's four. I say four because I don't know if three gets it done, Tim. I don't think you could confidently say, all right, we score three today, we're going to win. I don't believe that. Not in this series.
0: Colorado with two sweeps and a six game series Tampa with two seven game series and a sweep so let's look at the the odds Tom game one the Avalanche coming off a week's rest a dollar 60 favorite at home Tampa the take back plus 140
1: yeah and the series is um, plus 160 for Tampa 165 I've seen it and it was it's about 180, 185 for Colorado. By the way, before um, the closeout game against the Rangers, I looked at the look ahead line. Look ahead line had the abs minus 190. So because they closed it out, it went down a little bit, obvious, but it didn't even fall all that much. I think people were kind of just set in their ways. Hmm. Man, I, I'll tell you, I am having a harder time with game one than anything here. Because I don't know how the layoff's going to affect them. If I'm a futures player right now, I'm not touching a thing. I am waiting until game one. If I like Tampa Bay and they go out there and they win, oh, great. I'm still going to get them plus money. I'm still going to get them for the series at, what, plus 120 or whatnot, plus 110, 120. If they go out there and they lose and you're a Tampa Bay player, well, okay, now you're going to get them at two to one or more so you could go in there. If you like the Avs, Right now, as a futures player, and you go out there and you win game one, it's only going to go up to 210, 220 because they're expected to. If they lose game one, you're going to get value betting it. Game one is going to be so important for the money line and for money players out there that I, I, I'm i just in that position, Tim. I almost want to just sit back and just watch game one and see how it plays out.
0: Was there? Did you happen to see a look-ahead line if it was the Rangers that went into that series?
1: Yeah, if it was the Rangers, uh, minus 265 okay. for the Avalanche. Okay. Getting back about 240,
0: 235. Yeah. I, fi- I figured like two 240, but okay. Yeah, I get it. So we saw in the final five games of the Eastern Conference Final, under, 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 five, five and a half, right? Game one is a six, Tom. And I think that's probably kind of where it's going to be set at for the series, right? You've set it first to four wins. So there you go.
1: Yeah, that, that, they, they agree with me. Um, <laughs> I don't like the over-under right now early on either. I do believe we're probably going to play a little bit more overs. I think six is a pretty solid number. They couldn't set it at five and a half. You Think about it like this. it was five and a half, it was minus 145 because they couldn't set it at five, you know. Um, so it 5.5 minus 145. I made money on every single one of those games. I mean, I cleaned up just betting the under blindly. Now you only move it up and you only bump it up to a six with a different kind of offense. I think we're going to see some overs. I don't know if it's going to be game one. Like I said, I'm very hesitant about game one, about this layoff for Colorado. But I do think we're going to, if they keep setting it at six, Tim, I'm going to be taking some overs in this series. This is going to be an over series for me if they're setting it at six.
0: All right. Game one, Wednesday night. In Colorado, the ABS 160, total set at 6. We'll see how it plays out here. Wait, August.
1: Tim, I, we can't let you off the hook that quickly. What do you think? Give me a winner here.
0: Winner for the series? You're winner for the series. Yeah. So when we did the predictions, I said Colorado wins the cup. They were just, I think. You, you know, here's the thing. Colorado, when I see Colorado, I see Tampa three, four years ago. That's what I see, you know, and it's, I just think it's their time. I I love what Tampa's done and I'd be a fool to say that they couldn't do it again because they they have the backstop, they have the coach, and they have the veterans that can get it done. I just, I picked Colorado. I'm going to stay with that. I think Colorado wins in six games and I want to say that in my mind that these playoffs are just so drawn out and so emotional for Tampa that it just gets the best of them here. And, and maybe the rest helps Colorado out. I like the Avalanche to win in six.
1: Okay. Uh, that's fair. Mm-hmm. I uh, I said on my show this morning, on Sports SportsCard Network, and, and I'm going to give you a weird answer here, Tim. If you're asking me for my prediction as a sports talk host, I like the Colorado Avalanche in seven. Okay. I think that um, them being at home, they're going to be able to hold court at home in game seven, even though I'd be terrified of Vasilevsky going up against a Vasilevsky you know, in a game seven. But that's that's what I would do if you're asking me as a sports talk host. But Tim, asking me as a sports handicapper, I'm getting plus six, 160 back with John Cooper, who we just sang his praises. I'm getting plus 160 back with Andre Vasilevsky, a generational goalie talent. I'm getting plus 160 back. Tim? i got to take a shot on plus 160 back. I just have to. It's too tempting not to because I think it's a 51-49 kind of percentage series.
0: 100% back you on that. I think it's the same way. And like I said, I'll be a fool. Uh, it's very foolish. As, as, a, as an analyst, give me the abs. As a fan... I kind of want to see Tampa do this, Tom. I want to see the three-peat. I, I think Cooper deserves another another uh, cup. I think Vasilevsky deserves another cup. And you said it just a few minutes or seconds ago. If there's a game seven, forget about the predictions at that point. I'm going with Tampa at that in that whether it's on the road or not because I think in a pressure-filled situation, I would rather have a guy who's done it than a Darcy Kemper or a Pavel Frankuz who has not done it. And that's the the biggest Achilles heel that i have in this series in trying to say that i like colorado is that the goaltending matchup for me is such a mismatch that colorado is really going to have to just expose vasilevsky in four games in order to get this series win and that's what bothers me the most because i cannot say the same for darcy kemper or or, or uh, Fran Kuz, uh coming into this series
1: yeah i, I agree with you uh, you know that game seven it's so hard to bet against the home team. It's just what we talked about in the NBA. It's so difficult to think that Golden State could lose a game seven at home. It's so difficult to think the Abs can lose a game seven at home. But you're going up against the number one defense in Boston or you're going up against Vasilevsky and John Cooper and all that that is. Um, It's going to be great if it gets there. I, I really hope it does. I have enjoyed the Stanley Cup playoffs immensely. Look, my team was all the way in it until last game, so obviously there was a little bit more there. But I love seeing McDavid and his heroics. I like seeing what Toronto did early on. I thought that that was a a fun team to watch early on in this. Um, You know, I I have fully, fully enjoyed everything that the Stanley Cup playoffs has given me so far. I just hope that this lives up to what I think that it can be, and that is one of the greatest Stanley Cup finals that we've seen. I really believe that it can be.
0: I agree. I agree. And... The longer it goes out, Tommy, the longer it stretches through the month of June. I mean, you know, we could be talking about a few days before July 1st, having a champion, and then guess what? They start back up in October, so short rest, right? Short rest.
1: Yeah. Good, good. Time to make some more money.
0: Tim Unglesby, Tom Barton, final timeout. we come back, we'll move over to Major League Baseball, give you a peek around the league, see where we sit another week into the season. New York Yankees, man. Jeez. We'll talk about that for sure with Tommy after this short sponsored timeout. Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. Every Saturday and Sunday night at 10 o'clock. We're over on Twitter at HW sports at Tom Barton Sports. Tom, talk about all the great things that Tom Barton is involved in right now. Talk, you know, you have the podcast, the the, the national radio show every Sunday morning, website. You do everything, man. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I <laughs> I also have two brand new YouTube uh, topics out there. Got a little controversial this week. We talked about Deshaun Watson and uh, the Derek Jeter hate, which is just. Sickening at this point that these morons are still saying certain things. We got that going on at Tom Barton Sports over on YouTube. I mentioned my NHL record, Tim 42 and 17 on the season right now in the NHL at TomBartonSports.com. Only better is the NBA, where I'm 21 and 7. I've only played 28 NBA games so far 77%, Tim 21 and 7 right now on the year in the NBA at TomBartonSports.com even Major League Baseball, hitting 63%. All documented, all verified. Everything that I do, you could go check out at TomBartonSports.com. As far as the other stuff, yeah, look, I got a couple of podcasts, uh, three of them to be exact. Believe in betting. Believe in the Ivy League. view, you Ivy League nuts out there, I actually get a lot of traction on that show. And, of course, the one that you love, Wagering Week. Uh, And then the SGN Sports Garden Network. We, we did. We had Clayton Truder on this morning. Real good interview there. We got a lot of good stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks. So go check that all out as well. TomBartonSports.com, guys. We are absolutely crushing it. So you ju- jump on board right now. You're going to get a good 30 days of everything. That includes all the NHL, the rest of the NBA finals, every Stanley Cup play that I give out, every major league baseball play that I give out.
0: TomBardenSports.com. Mention Heatwave Sports, Tommy. I'll give you an extra week. I don't know if he knows that yet or not, but we'll give you an extra week if you just mention the show. And look, Tom, I'm not a Twitter aficionado like yourself, but I I did start something this baseball season, opening day, and I threw. It's not even a daily pick, but it's I throw a pick up there. It's a free one, right? Ride or fade it. And so far, Tom, after Saturday night's win with the Angels plus the money, thirty-one and ten. We're up almost 20 units since the baseball season started. I Must be doing something right around here. You know what I'm saying? And I love that you're taking the time
1: to go out there and, and you know you're not not throwing 10 plays out there and, and you know doing with the nice and easy, slow and steady, just collect a paycheck
0: day after day. 31 and 10, my friend. That that's that's Tom Barton's it's status right there,
1: man. It's unbelievable. <laughs>
0: And it's all documented. That's, that's the thing about I learned from Tom Barton. you got to be forthright with what's very transparent, right? If you don't believe me, just scroll through the feed. It's all right there. So no lies here, man.
1: People say that to me all the time. They go, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, but you can't be as good as your record. Where are you documented? Oh, well, i got multiple places. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, well, how do I know they're not lying for you? Well, literally 10 minutes after the game starts, they're all released for the public to see. Well, uh, but but I haven't been watching that. Well, start watching it. You know, Come back (laughs) to me in a month. See how I do. Follow me. And you'll see. When we're talking about this, Tim, I am now 11 years into the business. In 11 years into the business, not one single year have I ever had more than two losing months. Over 11 years in the business, you're sitting here. I have produced a profit every single year by far. So- Every single year, I've never had a losing sport, uh, plus money every sport, because I do it the way that you do it slow, steady, pick your spots, make money. This is not a get rich quick scheme. This is follow tompartensports.com and you'll be able to pay some bills.
0: Pay some bills, take a vacation, right, Tommy? You know, it's, it's little things. Pay for a it's house, a pay
1: thing, for yeah. a wedding. Yeah, the stuff that I did. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Can we can we talk about the Jeter thing? We have a, a few extra minutes tonight. Can we talk about the Jeter? I don't even understand like where this came from out of the clear blue. That why why is this an issue right now?
1: Oh, I, I'll tell you. You know, it's funny because it, a lot of people did write that to me. You know, why you why are you talking about Jeter now? Well, Jeter got on Twitter. Okay, so he's on Twitter about two weeks ago, um, and Derek Jeter is now on Twitter. So that that'll make people come out about him. But ESPN is going to do. Uh, July 18th, I believe, is the release date. It's mid-July, right around my birthday. So in about a month, they're going to do the last dance kind of for Derek Jeter. They're producing that for Jeter. So that was announced, and there's a big kind of media push for that right now. So Jeter coming on Twitter. Now there's the big media push. And all of these kind of clickbait things on Facebook and Twitter and whatnot, what they do is they're putting up Derek Jeter, and, and you see the ridiculous comments that follow. The comments that Derek Jeter's overrated. That's nauseating in itself, but okay, you just don't understand baseball. No problem. I can move on from stuff like that. But it's further, Tim. It's the comments of, we wouldn't know his name if he wasn't a Yankee. What kind of moronic statement is that? We wouldn't know his name, Tim. The guy with the fourth most or sixth most hits all time, right? Right? Sixth most hits all time. We wouldn't know his name. Um, Well, you know... He only won championships. If he didn't have championships, he wouldn't make the Hall of Fame. Again, where where is he in the list of the greatest hitters of all time when we're talking about most hits? Everybody around him, you know, all time, we know their name. Uh, It's not a mistake. You want to go, well, now you have the new kids, right? And the new stuff here, Tim. And the new stuff is that war and war plus and plus war and his defensive metrics. So we throw away his gold gloves and you say he's the worst defensive player of all time. These are these people, the worst defensive player of all time. That's what they want you to believe. My argument back to is, is, didn't you just put David Ortiz down the Hall of Fame, right? It wasn't, wasn't how, how good of a defensive player was David Ortiz, Tim? Oh, that's right, he didn't even play it. So Derek Jeter is around these names. Tell me if we heard of these names, Tim, okay? Have you heard of Pete Rose, Ty Cobb, Hank Aaron, Stan Musial, Tris Speaker? Because those are the guys that are above Derek Jeter for most hits all time. Underneath him, Cap Cap Anson, Honus Wagner, Kalyus Trimsky, Albert Pujols, Eddie Collins, Willie Mays. Yeah, these are the guys that are surrounding Derek Jeter. The conversation of if Derek Jeter played in Pittsburgh, nobody would have ever heard of him. I'm pretty sure we were heard of the guy that is sixth all time in hits. And this is the ridiculousness that we get to. The double-sidedness of the conversation. It's okay to take somebody and say, I don't think they're as good as you think they are. But I don't think anybody is out there. And I've not heard this, and you can argue with me if if you've heard it, Tim. I don't think anyone's out there saying that Derek Jeter's in the top 10 greatest players of all time. I consistently say, look, I think he's one of the top five shortstops ever. For me, He's in the top two or three shortstops ever. I personally think he was better than Cal Ripken, but I lean a lot of that on the championships. If you want to tell me he's, Cal Ripken was better, okay. I'm okay with that, right? But he's it. He's there. I don't think anyone's taken that hard stance that Derek G is the greatest player that I've ever seen, greatest player of a generation. No, he's simply one of the greatest players at his position of all time. I think top five is a fair assessment. To turn around and tell me that somebody like Derogito wouldn't have been heard of. Well, and you'll hear this hate next month when when this comes out. Derogito wouldn't have been heard of. And if he played for the Pirates, it wouldn't have mattered. And if he didn't win any championship, he was lucky to be a Yankee. You know, these arguments are as ridiculous as they come. And that's why I did this, because you start to see the arguments coming. You start to see uh, what what quote-unquote baseball fans and sports fans are saying. They don't understand the sport. They're not looking at pure... You cannot argue numbers in front of you. You cannot argue. Tell me that you don't like Derek Cheeter. Talk about intangibles. Forget about the Yankees. Forget about the championship rings. Forget about all of it. The only thing I ever have to say is Derek Cheeter, sixth all time in hits. That's it. That's the end of the conversation, Tim. Yeah. Lifetime
0: 310 hitter. Lifetime 320 here in the series. He's got five championships. I mean, obviously saying that just because he played as a Yankee made him good, he contributed to all those those championships. And again, we talked last week about icons and uh, playing with one team, you know, the brand. He played all 20 years with one team. So did, his, so did his buddy Rivera. You know, as much as I hated these guys being a fan of another team, you have to respect it. And... I just – I didn't understand where, where, where this was coming from, and I guess we'll, we'll see a lot more of it here in a couple of weeks when that goes on 30 for 30, right?
1: Yeah, it is. And, and I think that us as sports fans and especially sports talk fans, we often get into the, the terms of, well, that guy's overrated or, or underrated because of where we believe the guy should be and where we are. And if there are, listen, if there are Yankee fans out there telling me that Derek Jeter is a top 10 all-time player, I'm going to tell you you're overrating him. But overall, you have to take the pulse of the nation and the pulse of what sports fans believe. Not a lot of baseball fans I know are saying these things about Derek Jeter. Not a lot of baseball fans. Not a lot of baseball fans are turning around and overrating him. I just made a comment a little while ago that got under uh, our friend Chris Wynn's feathers there. He got him a little ruffled up. And I said that Tom Izzo is overrated. Tom Izzo, in my opinion, is overrated because if you ask college basketball fans rattle off the top two or three greatest coaches in college basketball right now, he's going to be up there. And I don't think he's in the top two or three. But that is reading the room kind of thing, you know, assessing the situation. People are going to go, well, Patrick Mahomes is overrated. All right, well, by what metric? If you say he's undoubtedly the greatest quarterback in the NFL right now, all right, maybe he's a little overrated. If you tell me, look, he's one of the top two or three greatest quarterbacks, he's not overrated. But with Derek Jeter, it is, it's is—it's the extreme. It's There's no give and take there. There's no, yeah, you know what, he's good. I got a little bit too much credit because he was a Yankee. No, we wouldn't know his name if he didn't wear a Yankee jersey. Hey, If he played in Pittsburgh, he would be nothing. Guys, we're looking at straight numbers. And that's all you need to back this up. It's straight numbers, Tim. That's the beauty of baseball as opposed to every other sport. In every other sport, numbers are important, but they're not the be-all, end-all. In Major League Baseball, winning matters. Of course it does. But numbers are everything. And if you're sitting of the, the thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of great players that ever played this game, You did it six best out of anybody. Tim, we talked about, I I coach eight and nine-year-olds, right? At the very basic level of baseball, what do you tell them to do? Get a hit, right? So of anybody that's ever lived, Derek Jeter was six best at doing the most basic thing in Major League Baseball. Forget about his fielding. Forget about his championships. Forget about the pinstripes. Forget about it all. Derek Jeter was the six best player that has ever lived at getting hit. That that, well, that that right there is the end of the conversation.
0: It's because he played in New York, though, Tom. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Could, could I – if I said this, would this be more – would this have more truth to the statement that because he played in New York or because he was a Yankee, that he dated some of the most beautiful women in the world? That, that has that, more – That's more right? impressive than it hits, Tim. <laughs> right? <laughs> and here's impressive. the thing. You, you, you want to really
1: know. Here's Here's the thing. Um, I used to have, I, I, I used to, you know, be in the locker room a lot in the, the 97, 98, 99 seasons and, and whatnot. But I was young, I was in the city, I used to go to the China Club a lot. The women we don't know about Tim can rival the women we do know about. <laughs> that I can say, oh, I know for a hundred percent. I used to know some waitresses and girls uh, in you know different areas that knew Derek Jeter will say. And the, some of the, the celebrity names are great. But some of the less talented names were much better looking.
0: Look, I'm not even going to go down this road, but he's not a bad looking guy, right? I get it. If he was in Pittsburgh with that losing franchise, would it still be the same? That's the question. No. (laughs) No No chance. So, so there is some truth if that was the statement made that Derek Jeter only dated the beautiful women because he was in New York or a Yankee rather than being in Cincinnati or Pittsburgh is what you're saying, right? Yeah, of
1: course. <laughs> I mean, it's everything in life. You know, if Derek Jeter <laughs> was selling life insurance, I don't think he would have been getting the same kind of tail. I mean, you know, right. I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you my own life. Look, I'm not saying I was a great looking guy, but I was a lot better looking than I am now. Um uh, but if I didn't live in a beach town that had a lot of drinking and a lot of beautiful bikini-clad girls, I probably wouldn't have uh, you know gotten as much as I got. Right? If I was somewhere in Pittsburgh working a nine-to-five job, probably wouldn't have worked that well. So, I mean, I think it happens with everybody. But yeah, that is a fair, that's the fair assessment right there. Okay. No women would know Derek Gia's name if you lived in Pittsburgh. Truth.
0: That is the truth. Speaking of your Yankees, nine of ten. 44-16, and 16, now 8.5 up on Toronto. Tom, they just continue to crush the baseball. And our boy, hashtag Aaron Judge MVP, two more yesterday. He's got 24 now, Tom.
1: Yeah, it's not even close now. Um, and this is something I told you years ago. Otani robbed the Rookie of the Year from Miguel you know, Andujar, who wound up being nothing, but he did. Last year, it was Garrett Cole's Cy Young to lose. He should have won it. Didn't happen because he's a Yankee. Altuve robbed Aaron Judge years ago for the MVP. That was Aaron Judge's MVP. Altuve stole it. Um, Justin Morneau stole an MVP from Derek Jeter. That shouldn't have happened. Don Mattingly got an MVP stolen from from Wade Boggs. That was looks ridiculous now. And Roger Clemens, that looks ridiculous now. The, the Clemens thing, I should say. So... New York Yankees have always had a really tough time cracking the vote in. And I said to you, when we did our preview, and you said, I'm taking Aaron Judge, I said, Tim, the only reason I'm not doing it is because the Yankee bias rears its ugly head. And in order for some New York Yankee to win the Cy Young or the MVP, what's going to have to happen is they're going to have to leave it to no doubt. It's going to have to be so ridiculous. One of these insane kind of years, Tim, And while I think Judge is going to have a great year, I don't know if he's going to clear the field. Well, Tim, (laughs) he's clearing the field. I was watching the Angels-Mets game today, and they were talking about Aaron Judge, and they're like, well, the surefire MVP up until this point. And that's what it needed to be. In order for a New York Yankee to win the MVP in this very biased voting world, they have to absolutely make it no doubt. And right now, Aaron Judge is making this absolutely no doubt.
0: 307 runs scored, and as good as the offense have been, we, we talked about it week after week. Tom, the pitching is still fabulous, just 180 runs given up. The next closest team would be the 203-run Dodgers at that point, so still a 20-run deficit. The Yankees
1: are giving up uh, now. They, they just completed this today because they completed their 60th game. The least amount of runs they've ever done in in 60 games that we're sitting here. It's unbelievable. Um, They have scored five. From a betting perspective, we know that normally you get four, four and a half as a team total. They've scored five or more runs, Tim, in more than half of their games now. I mean, five or more. Not four. Five or more runs. The, The barrage that they can put on people is unbelievable. It really is. And you're watching guys like Matt Carpenter do it. Now, I know Aaron Judge is re- leading the way, but you're watching guys like that. By the way, Tim, I want to get back to Aaron Judge real quick because, yes, the numbers are huge. 52 runs, 24 home runs, 48 RBIs. Aaron Judge is threatening the real home run record. And that is, it, look, it is the real home. Roger Maris is still the home run king. Okay? Don't give me any of this Sosa, McGuire, Bonds garbage. He's, still, he, he's chasing that, Aaron Judge. But here's what people will overlook. In the middle of his career, which Aaron Judge is 30 years old now, playing on a championship-level team, playing in his MVP season, he has changed positions, Tim. He's now the Yankees' starting center fielder. At age 30, after injuries year after year, he went to center field. And, Tim, he's leading off the game. He led off the game today. He's a guy that can hit 60-plus home runs as a leadoff hitter and a center fielder. You can start talking. Look, I mean, we're only two months in, right? You can start talking about Aaron Judge having one of the greatest years in the history of baseball if he continues this pace. Not strictly because of the numbers, but because he's batting leadoff. He's batting second, third, fourth. They're shuffling him around. He's a center fielder in New York for the New York Yankees behind that pitching staff where defense is so vital. You know, we all looked at Otani last year and said, wow, look at the things that he's doing. Yeah, he didn't play defense, though. He pitched. Aaron Judge is playing gold glove center field at 30 years old, making a shift. I don't think you could underestimate what
0: this guy has done this year. Tom, what do you do a month, well, a little over a month away from the trade deadline? You don't like to tinker with what's what's good or what's going good, and we don't know where the Yankees will sit in 30 days' time, but do you do you look at? The, what's available out there and you kind of think a direction that maybe the Yankees will go. I, I don't assume they sit sit still here. They they generally are active.
1: They generally are active, but I think tinkering is a perfect word that you said. I don't think that there needs to be any wholesale changes. I don't think that they're going to be in the market for anybody absolutely huge. They have depth at first, depth at second, depth at short, depth at third. They have depth in the outfield. Um, they're They're Relieving core, they could use another arm because Jonathan Luizica is still battling himself back. Chad Green is out for the season. Zach Britton is out, right? So I like Clay Holmes. Chapman's coming back. I like Holmes a lot. I like Michael King a lot. Randy Peralta's had a good year. Castro's have a good year. But I'd feel much more comfortable if they had another really dominant um, guy in a setup role. There. that I feel much more comfortable there. So I think they go and do that. And I think they get an arm, Tim. Look, Cole, Montgomery, Severino, Cortez, and Tyon have been great. Tyon has a history of injuries. Montgomery's still relatively young. Don't know if he's going to see 200 innings. Luis Severino has to be on an innings limit at some point because he didn't pitch last year. Domingo German, who's going to be the guy to bring up, doesn't instill confidence. And who knows if he's ever going to play again? Clark Schmidt. That's not the guy I want in a playoff spot if I need him during a playoff push or a postseason push. So it wouldn't shock me if the Yankees went out and got a reliever. wouldn't shock me if the Yankees went out and got a starting pitcher. That makes sense. Somebody that could relieve Severino, maybe go to a six-man rotation if you need to. Maybe worry about Tyon's innings limit or Tyon's uh, injury history. But all I keep hearing is that they're going after a catcher, Tim. I'm perfectly fine with Trevino. I'm okay with Higashioka is his backup. Uh, to me, I don't tinker with catcher, but I think the Yankees will go get a catcher, even though I don't love the idea.
0: About out west, the Dodgers just swept by the Giants. They have a half-game lead over the Padres in the west, and Kershaw back, but now you lose Walker Bueller for 68 weeks. Are we worried at this point with L.A., Tom, or is this something that this offense is just so good that they'll be able to withstand the loss of Walker Bueller for the next two months? What offense is so good? Outside of Mookie Betts,
1: Max Muncie's hitting under 200. Cody Bellinger is a shell of himself. He's been for a while. Chris Taylor's solid, but that's all he is is solid. Trey Turner's not having anywhere near the year that we thought. Justin Turner looks like he might be kind of coming to the end of his career here. Freddie Freeman is nowhere near MVP numbers. Will Smith just broke out of a big-time slump. I don't see the offense at all. Julio Urias is doing good things, but Heaney's on the DL. May's on the DL. Danny Duffy's on the DL. Walker Buehler's on the DL. Clayton Kershaw just came back from the DL. Blake Trinan is on the DL. Tommy Cainley's back on the DL. Uh, Tim, this team's a mess if you really break it down. Now, like you said, they have plenty of talent. A lot of this can be solved. You have guys like Clayton Kershaw and Julio Urias, 1-2. You're going to be fine. Mookie Betts in the middle and Freddie Freeman's not having a bad year, sure. But they need to step it up. That's all that that needs to happen here. I'm very worried about the Dodgers because multiple players are struggling. And if everyone's struggling at the same time, Tim, if Mookie Betts isn't putting this team on his back like he has been doing, I could see the Dodgers sitting there and looking up at San Francisco and San Diego pretty soon.
0: I think we look at with week-to-week analysis is that you get a good chunk of how things can change in a few days. So coming off the sweep at the hands of the Giants, the next two against the Angels at home. We know the Angels are, are struggling right now. Then Cleveland comes in for three, and then they head out back east, and they'll take on the Reds for three. So right there, that eight games you know, and we could be talking about them going six and two in those eight games, Tom. And and hey, everything's fine in LA Land,
1: right? And that's the thing. I mean, uh, you know, they'll they'll be fine long term, but the the rash of injuries is just disturbing right now. And the rash of injuries could be hidden if these guys were all playing up to the bench. I you can literally sit here, with the exception of Mookie Betts, I think it's a fair statement that the rest of their offense is performing below what they thought. Smith, for sure. Freeman, for sure. Gavin Lux, eh, maybe what we kind of thought. Justin Turner, for sure. Trey Turner, for sure. Taylor, Bellinger, Max Muncie. This entire team is underperforming, and that's the bad news. The good news is, is that you just don't expect it. These guys are professionals. Everyone's going to kind of come back and start playing the right way.
0: Hottest team in baseball is the Yankees overall, but the hottest team win-wise in a streak is a defending champion, Atlanta Braves. We we just talked about them a week ago, Tom. They were in the midst of, a, I think they had at that time they'd won four, right? Now all of a sudden it's eleven, and they're just five and a half games back behind the Mets. So here we go. To, to never count out teams in a long season, but never count out the Atlanta Braves. They've done this the last few years where they put together just long winning streaks. I didn't expect it this early, but wow, eleven in a row. If you didn't know, if you weren't paying attention, you didn't know. That's for sure.
1: Well, not only 11 in a row, Tim. Look at who they got on set on tap here. They have the Nationals uh here. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, uh, are you worried about that? Now, I look, I will say during the 11 game winning streak, they have taken on some some real bad teams, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh their last five series, Miami, Arizona, Colorado, Oakland and Pittsburgh. <laughs> right? So, uh, they've cleaned up on Colorado, Oakland and Pittsburgh. But it doesn't stop there. They have Washington for three and the Cubs for three. They're going to be favored or should be favored in those six games. Then they go and they take on San Francisco and L.A. in tough series, but they're both at home. Um, and then you get into kind of the crux of the Philadelphia, Cincinnati, St. Louis, Washington. Right. Uh, but you even end this month off, Tim, playing seven of your last ten against Washington. I don't see this stopping at all. They won 11 in a row. you got to think they take two or three against Washington, two or three against Chicago. Uh, They'll play well against San Francisco and L.A. at home. They're going to go into the end of the month. They have a three-game set July 11th, 12th, and 13th against the Mets, but that's sandwiched by seven games against Washington. I think that this is going to – they're going to go into that series against the Mets on July 11th, a three-game series at home against the Mets. To me, Atlanta's going to go in within a striking distance, meaning if they sweep that series there in first place. They'll be within three games.
0: Kuna, I say he's hot. Tom, he's starting to hit hit the ball. He's you know he, he's batting over three hundred. It's just the power hasn't come around. But Austin Riley, man, he's he's uh, stepped it up a notch for sure.
1: Yeah, I'm a big Austin Riley fan. He's really really streaky, but 16 overs, 35 RBIs, 34 runs. He's going to do what what you expected him to do. And people always seem to forget how young he is because he's been here for a while. Timmy's 25 years old. If you hmm. told me tomorrow a major league baseball team is bringing up a 25-year-old, you're going, all right, hey, time for the guy to start to shine. Yeah, coming from the minor leagues. No, Austin Riley already has, what, two years in the majors and a ring already. He's 25 years old. He's, he's due for 30, 35 home runs this year, 100 RBIs, 100 ribbies. I mean, 100 runs scored. This guy is really stepping it up. And we wondered who was going to be the guy to kind of carry the mantle from Freddie Freeman. Everybody looked at Matt Olson because he plays the same position. Riley might take that and run with it.
0: Yeah, Riley, I think Swanson is, you know, if you look at his stats, they're never going to be your power-hitting shortstop, but he, he's intangible-type shortstop. And he's. I think he, who's going to play, take the place of, uh, of Freddie Freeman in the locker room? I think that stands to be Swanson now. He's the leader.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. That's absolutely yeah. for
0: sure. You got Max Freed as a bona fide number one. Morton has been absolutely horrible this year, but it's the Ian Andersons and the Kyle Wrights, Tommy, the young, the young. Kyle kids. Wrights the two there now. Yeah, yeah. Even the, even the Spencer Strider, right? A couple of good outings for the for the young kids. So, look, the, the schedule is. We've always said that the schedule is a schedule and you win against the bad teams. And that's just what they're doing right now. I can't fault them for anything other than what it's becoming is they're putting together the chemistry, Tom, and that that's the important thing. Do they keep it going uh, here, Tim? Uh, they're minus 160
1: tomorrow. Ian Anderson with his 4.53 ERA against John Gray. How do you bet against this team?
0: You don't, know, and you, It's hard to bet for Washington. Let's put it that way. So there, there's two sides of that going I, I Two out of three, right? At least. Well, here's, here's, here's
1: why you can bet on Washington. Washington's at home. Josiah Gray, last three starts. Five innings, no earned run. Six innings, one earned run. Five innings, one earned run.
0: Yeah. No, he's he's, he's look good, and, and he's had a lot of control problems that he seems to have ironed out. Plus 150 maybe, at home? Do, do you bet against the streak, though? We've always talked about that, right, Tom? I am broke. not a
1: roulette player <laughs> that goes up and he's the red and go go black. No, I I bet on the streak or I sit this one out.
0: If you bet the angels to win, you'd be broke right now. Let's put it that uh-huh. way. Uh-huh. Well, I think we've we've hit the end of the two-hour road. So, again, Tom, why don't you let everybody know about all the great things you got going on with Tom Barton Sports? And other projects involving you, Tom Barton.
1: Yeah, I want you guys to go check out uh, the YouTube. It's Tom Barton Sports. Go check out all the podcasts that I had mentioned. Sports Garden Network, of course, hashtag SGN. But go check out TomBartonSports.com. Guys, I am hot right now. I want you guys to jump on board. It's less than $100. You get every single play for the next 30 days. So it's going to take you right up into just about the all-star break of Major League Baseball. Every baseball play, usually one or two plays per day. Everything I give out in the NBA, everything I give out in the Stanley Cup Finals, all of it at TomBartonSports.com. Sign up now. It's less than $100. Like I said, I am monitored. I am verified. It's all there for the taking at TomBartonSports.com.
0: Tom, have a great Father's Day. We'll talk to you in two weeks, my friend.
1: Talk to you guys in two weeks, where there'll be an NBA champion and a Stanley Cup champion.
0: That's Tom Bart. TomBartonSports.com. For Mateo... I'm Tim Unglesby again. We're off next week. We'll see you in two weeks' time. Right here on Heat Wave Sports, only on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Have a good one.